1: Or Whatever Movies with
0: Wesley and Iris. What up and welcome to Or Whatever Movies. I am your co-host, Iris, and I am here with my older brother and his cat, Wesley and Molly. Today we're talking our first 2021 release on HBO Max, The Little Things. The Little Things.
1: I feel like we've heard this title before in not this sense. (laughs)
0: <laughs> like pretty little things, maybe?
1: Something like that. Some like rom-com type deal, not murder. Kelly doesn't like serial killer movies and particularly doesn't like killers who prey upon young women.
0: Right. Well, who I mean, does? Nobody does. <laughs> nobody
1: loves it. But, you know, apparently Denzel does. Denzel is too old for this shit. And he's in the young world where Rami Malik looks painfully young.
0: Yeah, let's just talk casting. Something just feels off, like the casting, some of the performance choices, some of the directing choices, specifically Washington and Malek as a um, buddy cop duo, kind of weird. (laughs) I didn't really feel a ton of chemistry coming from them, especially not enough to justify Washington's line at the end where he's like, my boy. And he gives him that loving little slap on the cheek. And then you get further along in, you're like, well, OK, so Jared Leto is obviously the killer suspect, right? I mean, How right. he doesn't show up halfway through the movie and you're like, where is Jared Leto?
1: And then he kind of does the same thing for the remainder <laughs> remainder of the movie. You said that it was an odd pairing uh, with Enzo Washington <laughs> and Robbie Malik. But they didn't like each other at first. It's not that they had animosity. It's just he was like, I'm going to tow your car because I don't have time. You blocked me in, even though I'm going to walk back inside and immediately give a press conference. So it doesn't matter. They were setting up the acrimony, (laughs) even though it never really paid off.
0: Yeah, they're kind of circling each other. Right. But then as soon as Rami Malek finds out that Denzel Washington is Deacon so and so. And they're like, he's obviously got some real history that precedes him. He's like, no shit. And then he kind of changes his tune.
1: Well, you're looking for what the who the characters are. And Denzel Washington can definitely play a bad dude. He was a bad dude in Training Day. And he's got that ability. But when he's sad Denzel or contemplative Denzel, you know he's not going to be the bad guy. But I wrote down in the notebook, Rami Malik is the baddest guy. Like, he was so obviously a bad guy to me and then wasn't. <laughs>
0: He was badass, but he wasn't like a bad guy. He wasn't like a serial killer.
1: I was like, this guy is totally, well, he is the next Bond villain. And I'm like, he's totally the bad guy. Until you see Jared Leto, who is the prototypical bad guy, right? He's all slimy. And so you get this weird, I guess it's a cat and mouse game, right? Because Jared Leto's character is obviously smart. But this is like a weird cat and mouse where there's no chase. And the mouse has like a belly and a limp and only goes <laughs> to strip clubs. So there's no strip like no question where he is.
0: I mean, does it count as a cat and mouse game if the Mouse is just simply toying with the cat the entire movie?
1: It reminded me of Seven, you know, for the, for the, in the first place. What cop in his right mind gets dude. in any car to go anywhere dude. with any the mur- like confirmed murderer dude, right? Like <laughs> what are you doing?
0: What was Baxter's game plan? What is his end game <laughs> when he gets in the car? Seriously. We are
1: jumping way ahead. Denzel kinda plays Denzel. Like he's serious but also smiley. And smarter than us. Rami Malek plays a bad guy. I'm still going to say he's kind of a bad guy who doesn't know he's bad.
0: No, he's a good... He's a. What are you talking about? He's he's the dad of two little girls who play in pools with, like, floaties.
1: Yeah, no family dude has ever been a murderer. And then Jared Leto plays Jared Leto. (laughs) (laughs) He's just the weirdest dude ever.
0: He's really skeevy. He's super skeeved. But Jared Leto shrugged off the whole pretty boy thing back in, like back in like my so-called life days like he's never looked back and this is this is what he does this is his this is his jam
1: and i got no problem with that i mean he was a pretty boy in fight club until he was not a pretty boy anymore in that movie
0: so i mean jared leto was no surprise to me as much as i loved rami Ma- Ram- raman Melbeck, as much mon- <laughs> as much as i liked <laughs> as Ram- <laughs> as much as i liked rami malek In Bohemian Rhapsody, because you can't talk, they're like, you know, you can't talk about him without talking about that incredible performance. He's really chewy in this and kind of strange. It's not entirely his fault. I think he was maybe a little bit miscast. I think he's a little young to be like a hardened hotshot cop. And in the direction, they kind of hold on him for a long time and give him strange angles to emphasize his strange features. Like there was just something kind of off about him, which I could see would lead you to think that maybe he's the bad guy, but he's certainly not the bad guy. I mean, he's a really misguided hero, I think, in this.
1: We had a lot of weird angles, and I had a lot of questions about how this movie was shot, and I felt like they were trying to misdirect us or focus our attention on his car for some reason when it didn't have anything to do with his car or whatever. Who? But...
0: Baxter's car?
1: Baxter. Is that Jared Leto's name in this movie?
0: No, that's um, Roman Malbeck's um no, Jared Leto's green car. Is that what you're talking about?
1: Yeah, probably. But I mean, it's true. Roman Melba does have a weird face and to hold on it, you, you're you trying to find answers in it. And I'm not sure, maybe he's expressive or whatever, but I don't think that he has the soul that Denzel Washington has for the most part. He's gotten a little bit chewy himself yeah, mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. in his older age.
0: Literally. Like, doesn't he do a weird chewy mouthing?
1: Yeah. It's like an old dude thing. He's like chewing something that's hard to swallow and then he swallows it and then he smiles because he's proud that he swallowed it.
0: And then there's like the scene chewiness where he's like really thinking about something and you're like and you're like, what is he thinking about? And then the other cop is like, mm, you know, just, you know, let him do the Deke thing because deek's got his ways.
1: Yep. And Rampart Mumbles had something to learn from him.
0: <laughs> well, he certainly brings him in, right? Baxter is like, all right, so I could use you, D, because this one's really got me stumped. So why don't I bring you back into the fold, learn a little something about you, and um, basically give you the permission that you need in order to dabble where you once were but have since been excommunicated from.
1: Yeah, and so we're supposed to question right off the bat, right, what happened to him? Supp- obviously, what busted him down? Why is he still, you know, just a deputy?
0: When he was the the genuine article back in the 80s.
1: Yeah, I guess in the 80s because this takes, pl- takes place in 1990, right?
0: Yeah, this takes place in 1990. And I think the whole reason that this movie was set in the 90s is so that the final sequence could work so that Rami Malek would be on his own without a cell and he couldn't tell Denzel where he was. Hey, you
1: got his name right.
0: Rami Malek? <laughs> That was just my, like, n- not my mnemonic, but that was like my pronunciation reference. <laughs> that whole final sequence couldn't have happened post-cell phone era. And I couldn't really think of another reason why this be set in the 90s.
1: I can tell you why it was set in the 90s. Why? Because it was written for, at that time. <laughs> our Our writer, Hancock... Right. He wrote it right after he wrote Clint Eastwood's A Perfect World with Kevin Costner. And then it just kind of sat around and a bunch of like so many randos were attached to direct this movie at one point or another. Steven Spielberg, Clint Eastwood himself, Danny DeVito.
0: I wouldn't exactly call them randos, but that's a little weird. Yeah,
1: it's a little bit weird how different they would be and how different their takes would
0: be. I mean, we're talking about
1: the director of Death to Smoochie and Saving Private Ryan. (laughs) <laughs> right? Danny DeVito directed Death to Smoochie, right?
0: I trust you on that one. This,
1: this felt like a 90s cop movie to me. Cop who has been kind of sidelined. And then you had the weird, bad, but not quite bad counterpart. And then you had the real bad guy.
0: Well, Jared Leto's character is the villain, but I wouldn't say he's the bad guy.
1: Well, he's not a bad guy because he's quirky and weird and funny.
0: But he's not the killer.
1: How, how do we know that? So we're saying that he... That Rami Malik is, is at home with his kids in his pool and believing that he did the right thing or learning to live with himself for what he did in the same way that Denzel Washington did, but they never solved the case?
0: They never solved the case. The other government agency came in, took it over, were looking for exactly the same profile as Jared Leto, but there was no proof... That Jared Leto was the killer.
1: Even though he knew the details eight years before when he confessed to a murder, apparently despite having a watertight alibi of being 10 miles away.
0: Yeah, he was just an attention seeker, crime aficionado weirdo.
1: Details don't mean admission of guilt. Because I took from that that he knew things that no one else could have known. He wasn't the killer? That's kind of annoying for me.
0: (laughs) I mean, it's possible that the killer, whoever that might have been, and Leto were were the MacGuffins of this movie. This was a movie about partnership and honor and the law and... I'm not saying that that worked for me, but I i, I mean, this really wasn't about the killer, let, a, let alone Leto.
1: <laughs> let alone Leto. Did Leto have a master plan where he was going to corrupt the by the book, by the numbers cop into, and get him to kill him and hopefully frame him for the crime, allowing that he knew by some omniscience that Denzel Washington was going to come down the lane and catch him and try to arrest him?
0: No. He just had time and had and got sadistic pleasure from toying with cops. That was it.
1: But Rami Malik believed that he was the killer because when Denzel was like, hey, cover up this crime so we can all go about our lives. He didn't. He kept digging graves looking for the bodies that weren't there. That's right. Uh, God, for someone what else could he do if he's so wholly confident that this dude student, the killer, not not even going into why he or why he would get into the car with that dude. He turned his back an awful lot. It's not like he searched the car. It's not like he didn't know that he didn't have a gun in there somewhere. It's so frustrating.
0: It's so frustrating. It kind of makes him a little, you kind of hate him a little bit for choosing to get in the car. He's like, you frisked me. You know I'm not armed. It's like, yeah, you have no idea what's in that creepo's car. And you get in and you drive to the middle of nowhere with him. What was his end game?
1: Maybe you Kevin Spacey him and you put him in the cop car behind the cage. And you drive, so you're in control, right? We're doing this, right. we're doing this my way. But didn't you see Vanilla Sky? You don't get into the car when someone else who's obviously crazy <laughs> is driving.
0: Oh, yeah, because doesn't Tom Cruise get killed? Yeah,
1: he didn't get killed, he gets maimed, which is infinitely worse. So, But Denzel Washington either didn't think Jared Leto was the killer or didn't care because it didn't matter.
0: What, at the end?
1: Yeah, because he drove away or whatever and was like, okay, let's just cover this up.
0: Didn't you feel like that whole last sequence in the middle of nowhere where Jared Leto takes Rami Malek that the timeline of that whole ending sequence was kind of off? Like didn't it take Denzel Washington an awfully long time to find him if he was like Four cars back tailing them on the freeway.
1: He drove around for a leisurely pa- at a leisurely pace, and he took his time, knowing that his partner, I guess, if they could be partners, was seen in the car driving off with the killer. You know, it was enough. He was shocked enough that he dropped the coffee, ran into the car, and floored it. And he followed him from a right. respectful distance. But you know, you'd think you'd be he'd be tearing around. What if his partner was in danger and, and he took him hostage and Jared Leto was going to take him out into the desert to kill him, right? You rammed that fence and you charge down the road. And even then, pulling up to the scene, he didn't, you know, stop the car and, and check it out from the ridge and assess the danger. And he didn't go plowing into the scene. He just kind of leisurely strolled into the scene. So either Denzel Washington didn't think that Jared Leto was the killer or he didn't care, but even he knew better than to... Mess around with him when Darlito pulls up after that weird cat and mouse game on the freeway, where they kept uh, pulling up opposite each other. Even he had his gun just out of eye, eye level, uh, at the ready, and that was they had car. They were in different cars. You don't get into the same car with a killer. That's madness.
0: Yeah, he was kind of prepared for the worst. Whereas was Rami Malek just like so driven and crazed by this case and wanting to solve it that he threw caution to the wind and was like, all right, let's just like go for it because I don't. Like, uh, my safety is nothing compared to solving, cracking this case. Yeah,
1: he must have been determined because, you know, the good, the bad, and the ugly rule still applies. There are two kinds of people, those who have loaded guns and those who dig. And for some reason, he had the gun and he was doing all the digging. I think Jared Leto was in coveralls, for God's sake. And he still picked up the shovel and was like, I'm going to take off my suit jacket and throw it into the dirt or whatever. Like, did Jared Leto only have coveralls, or was that some kind of was that his uniform at the shop or something? Is that like the only clothes he had?
0: At the appliance repair shop, yeah, or or whatever. So that I mean, coveralls. It's probably a good uniform for sitting around and listening to the police scanner. Yeah,
1: and not murdering people
0: and clipping weird, horrific articles.
1: And so this one, movie wanted us to try to figure it out. Try to. Get into the intricacy. Try to embrace the questions, the weird angles, the motivations. Why are we holding on these people? And you have to care, of course. It reminded me for some reason of mom when she was selling her pineapple wares. She would have these big bins that she would put out in her little stand and... I was like, well, do you want me to unpack this? This is a lot of stuff, Mom, and you don't have any room on these little tables. And she said, no, I want people to, like, explore. I want them to, like, look around and pull stuff out and and kind of hunt for treasures was the vibe. And no one really did because it was kind of knickknacky stuff. And this movie was full of knickknacky stuff where I didn't want to dig. I was like, Mm -hmm. you have to make this movie better for me to care and for me to get past all the jargon that was meant to be immersive, but was kind of alienating and confusing.
0: But you're basically saying that this was a serial killer rummage sale.
1: Kind of, because I didn't see any real focus or purpose in carrying us to the end where I have to admit it was a fairly okay parallel in their how they ended up.
0: But Washington, there's no way that Denzel Washington could have foreseen this. No.
1: Right. right. And so that makes it convenient to where it's either trying really hard to bring us in and to get us wrapped up to where you feel the profundity of that parallel or it's a hustle and it's convenient.
0: Did you get the sense that Denzel Washington was like taken with the Baxter character? Like he was like, "Mm, like, I see some potential in this kid and it's worth like putting in the the time to mentor him. Or was he like chasing this demon, you know, trying to draw a connection between like these murders and the and, and the unsolved murders of the prostitutes that haunt him and suck his toes?
1: Ew, that was the worst sentence. And if you could sum all that up, that should be the poster quote for this review. There was toe sucking and semen and all kinds of horrible stuff in there.
0: Did you not think that that prostitute was giving him a foot rub? Or doing I, some weird fetish thing.
1: <laughs> it was another thing that they did, and I, I kind of saw it coming, because this movie played it pretty close to reality for most of it, and then they threw in these, not they weren't supernatural, but they were his the visions of his process. Quite literally, the ghosts that haunted him, the spirits that haunted him, of the girls that he wanted to find answers or justice for, and his own problems, which we didn't see until later, uh, so, no, I realized I was like, there's no ghost that's going to give him like a foot rub or anything.
0: It was just one of those examples of like a really strange shot composition where his like big toe is kind of sticking out and she's like right there crouching by the side of his bed, like kind of Twin Peaks style.
1: I did wonder if Denzel had washed his feet.
0: He was stunt foot.
1: But I fully expected that lady when he's first talking to her and saying he's his he's he's her only friend. I fully expected her to turn her head and respond to him in a way that kind of he manifests. Sure. Right. And then they did that later. So it wasn't a surprise because I could see it going that way without really any precedent or necessarily any reason They kind of did whatever they wanted in this movie. There didn't seem to be a lot of thought behind the shot compositions, or if there was, I don't think it was terribly effective. And we languished at some times where we really needed to heighten it. We really didn't know what Jared Leto was going to do with Rami Malek in his car. And come on, Denzel, hurry it up just a little bit, will you? You know, they could have. Does he pull up to the gate and we intercut where he's got his back turned to him? And I mean, Jared Leto does that stuff. He pulls out his little hand gun and and points it at him. Right. Any one of those moments could have been really heightened for peril because we don't know what's going to happen. And Denzel doesn't know what's going to happen. And Robbie Malik doesn't know either or seem to care what's going to happen.
0: Interesting, even at the end, Denzel Washington kind of gives Rami Malek a few, a few, like, orders. He's like, all right, I went home on this day, and uh, you go home. And uh, you don't say anything to anyone, ever. And that's it. And they're like, all right, well, see you later. <laughs> like, that's another example where they could have kept the suspense, except they chose to go, the filmmakers chose to go in a, in a more meditative, more sedate kind of direction.
1: To answer your earlier question, I think that Denzel... Viewed the rummy mallet character as his replacement, he knew that this guy had stepped in. He knew that he was the young up-and-comer who was a climber who had lots of potential, and therefore he took something of a protective role. He had his own motivations for coming down and wanting to see this thing through because it mirrored his past experience that messed him up so much, and he felt that if he could have a hand in helping. Rami Malek threw this particular leg of the case, he would do that. And ultimately, he couldn't have played a more pivotal role than he did in helping him see this thing through to the end. It so closely mirrored his own experience that it was pretty convenient, but he was protective of him in some weird way, despite their initial rough, you know, abrasive uh, meat. So I watched a little bit of the supplemental material where. Denzel took the position that Sidney Poitier before him took, which is when he gets to a certain age, because Denzel Washington, believe it or not, is no spring chicken, his first Oscar was the same year this movie was set for Best Supporting for Glory in 1990. He said of Rami Malek and Jared Leto, both kind of newer and upcoming Oscar winners that he it was his responsibility to, to pass the torch it was his responsibility to impart whatever wisdom he can because he would be a fool to think that he could make it as far around the track as they have the ability to do at this point and i feel like that carried over to this character denzel washington has played the troubled cop several times but it felt like it kind of mirrored their real lives where he was the, uh, the old hand who was well regarded and for the most part, except for his misstep there with the other case. And he felt protective of this new guy. And then they both went up against a weirdo.
0: It's a profoundly dude movie where dudes are helping other dudes like inside and outside of the movie.
1: Yeah. And I think it was. So those kind of personal interconnections is what differentiates it from standard cop dramas that we might have seen in the 80s or whatever. This felt like a 90s longer form cop TV show to me because the pacing and because it took such convenient turns so quickly.
0: I have a thought that I'm hoping you'll explore with me. This idea of The Little Things being a dude bro movie this beret that uh deke gives to baxter right yeah so he gives him the beret at the end and he's like there it is the beret we've been looking for and through that through the barrette and his little note deke is able to give baxter the mercy that he never got right he shows him that mercy that maybe he wished someone had shown to him except that that red beret is like the most non-functional beret for running ever
1: <laughs> so that that's your argument for this being a dude movie?
0: A woman would never choose that beret to go running in.
1: Well, it's a good thing his wife didn't see it. Then he probably threw it <laughs> over the hedge or something, because he wouldn't have had to. He didn't want to have to explain some red beret that showed up in her in her house without her knowledge.
0: I mean, it was effective because it was huge and it was red and it communicated the idea that Leto was guilty. But that being said, I felt like it was a it was a dude prop choice probably made by a dude prop person (laughs) I mean who knows it just felt like a dude choice that didn't really work in a practical sense and it made me think like this is kind of a dude movie where it's all about dudes taking care of other dudes and trying to convict other dudes and, and the only women are prostitutes and... There were a
1: lot of prostitutes. It's like, because this is also right around the time that Pretty Woman came out, and apparently the prostitutes were out in force because <laughs> every woman out in the nighttime was a prostitute.
0: Exactly. I mean, there was the one woman who, you know, is the cor- in the coroner's office who's doing the autopsies and stuff, but otherwise, all prostitutes. And how come we're not talking about this being a dude movie made for dudes, like we were talking about Wonder Woman being a chick movie made for chicks and being all women empowerment and stuff
1: i don't know i guess one of my failings is that i don't see this as being solely a movie for dudes even though it i guess it pretty plainly is but it wasn't trying to be a dude movie if it was going to be the dude movie that the tax collector was i think i said this is a movie for dudes where dudes are are strong dudes or whatever right all the opportunities they had to ramp up all those dude aspects, Denzel Washington has been a part of that before. He was the man on fire. Maybe it's just him settling into his old age, but it was much more about the politics of being an LA cop, right? And how you're you you look out for your bros behind the scenes and nobody was gonna let him as a decorated cop fall as far as being a murderer. You know, they were gonna let him protect him and do what they could. So it was it wasn't like a dude. A gra- it was like a dude supporting movie. It was like a dude adjacent movie.
0: <laughs> All I'm saying is that Baxter getting into Jared Leto's car is the equivalent of Gal Gadot getting out of her car and running down the Egyptian highway.
1: Which we both of which we ragged on. It's, a, it's the worst idea ever. And, and you seriously contemplate. How is this
0: not a dude movie that should be judged on its dude merits?
1: Let's judge it on the dude merits. Because of that poor judgment, you question every other decision he makes in the line of duty. The only reason that I didn't know that that guy was bad because of the bad moves he made was because they showed his cute little daughters and his wife. And he was the doting father when he could be until he was all thousand yard stare with the red beret at the end.
0: I don't know. I'm trying. I'm trying to understand why Wonder Woman, because it's helmed by a woman and stars women is analyzed and judged as a female-centric movie and why we don't kind of hold the little things to a similar standard.
1: To clarify, I didn't say that Wonder Woman was bad because it was a female-driven movie, but rather because it wanted to hit the beats to embrace the feminist audience that would be looking for those moments. This was a male-centric movie, probably for dudes about dudes, But if they were going for the dude bro moments, they also missed the mark because of questionable choices that they made. It felt disorienting. And then it was a slow build to I forgot that I was supposed to care about what Denzel Washington's problem was that caused him to remain a deputy. And so I wrote down that I guess the Barrett thing, the twist at the end was okay. But was it enough to go through all that? I felt like it was like a custom frosting job. On a crappy cake or like a beautiful centerpiece at a a table where you're eating Wendy's or something. Like it was not enough to make up for all the weird things this movie did.
0: So we should call it all the weird things?
1: Bad decisions. Bad decisions, (laughs) cops. LA dummies.
0: These are the honest trailer versions?
1: Yeah. As long as he could be weird and confident. I guess maybe he was weird and confident, obviously, talking about the Jared Leto character, because he knew that he was safe. He knew that as angry as he made them, he wasn't going to be convicted of a crime because he didn't commit the crime, I guess. But somebody was committing the crimes and killing all those women. And
0: I mean, they, were, they certainly wanted us to believe that Jared Leto was the killer right and that he wasn't just some weird rando dude and they did it in ways beyond the evidence that the detectives uncover remember when they're tailing him for that extraordinarily long day where he's just like toying with them yes knowing that they're following them and then he then he like goes to the sandwich shop and there's like a huge sandwich board sign out front that says roast beef and there's these like subtle messages that I feel like the filmmakers were trying to convey to really suggest this is our guy, like in a dramatic irony kind of a way, too.
1: I thought undoubtedly he was the killer. And I'm even hesitant right now to allow that he wasn't the killer because that's annoying. It wasn't satisfying. This movie wasn't satisfying.
0: So is it an all right frosting on kind of a whatever cake?
1: Uh, I don't know. even know that I would go that far. John Lee Hancock has been around. I don't know that cop movies are his forte. It wanted to be gritty. It wanted to be Training Day. It wanted to be anything. And uh, I think we got the elements so that I thought this was going to be really dark. We had boobs and murders and murdered boobs. And they didn't shy away from that. And it seems like all the grit that they could have gotten into to really embrace the dutiness of this dude movie, they didn't do.
0: So a whatever frosting on a nope cake?
1: It wasn't a nope. It was just whatever. And overall, the movie needed the tightening pass. It could have been stronger without actually changing the content or the story. If they had just hit those moments harder of paranoia, we might have been more convinced that Jared Leto was the killer and more devastated when he wasn't.
0: I definitely get the sense that the lack of resolution around Jared Leto's character and the killer, if they weren't one and the same, it has a big part of this being not satisfying to you?
1: It's the little things that trip up a movie for me.
0: <laughs> well, it's definitely the little things that make a good movie. And there were a lot of little things that were kind of off about this and I really wanted to like it. It was a, It's a dream cast with a pretty decent concept and some twists that could have made it really interesting. <laughs> It's kind of got the little women problem where it's a lot of really great ingredients and it's just kind of a canned stew.
1: We agree. A funky one.
0: A funky stew. It's just kind of a funky dude stew so there you got it a whatever from wes a boring from iris as much as i wanted to like this film debuted on hbo max on january 29th let us know what you think 818-835-0473 or whatever movies at gmail.com
1: just keep digging just keep digging eventually you will find a good movie
0: (laughs) thank you for listening and we'll see you next time my IG which is Ozzy underscore Sarah underscore LA.